Welcome to Off the Record. I'm your host, Marika Day, dietitian, nutritionist, recovering perfectionist, and founder of Fueled by Marika Day. Join me here each week as we delve into what it really means to be a healthy and happy human. You'll hear from conversations with experts in their fields to raw and real chats about aspects of health and life that we really don't hear enough about. You'll be left feeling inspired, educated, and empowered to be the best version of you. So sit back, relax, or head on out for your walk, and let's dive on in. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Off The Record. I am feeling so much better this week that I feel like I don't even know myself. So if you listened last week, you would have known that I was a little unwell, but full energy back. And one thing I was saying to one of my good friends this morning is that I've realized that I am so bad at knowing my capacity and knowing when my capacity takes a hit. And the reason I'm repeating this is sharing it with you is because I feel like many of you are really similar to me potentially in this um, in this circumstance and in this situation where if you are like perfectionistic and if you are sort of highly driven and quite hard on yourself, then you become really bad at judging your own capacity. So when you're unwell, you're like, no, this is fine. Like it's, it's not that bad. It, it, I can, I can do this. And then when you get better, you're like, holy shit, I was really sick. So note to self and note to anyone out there who is listening, who is potentially also in historical circumstances, a poor judge of their own capacity. If you are feeling off, be very compassionate to yourself and take as much time as you can to rest and recover. Again, I obviously did rest and spent the last seven days in bed and um, was very kind to myself about that. I just thought that I was sort of, um, how do I describe this? I thought that I was just being a wimp by complaining about it, but it was actually pretty bad. Anyway, that is not what this podcast is about. Today, we're going to chat about why nutrition is so confusing and why it's so conflicting and why people get overwhelmed so easily. Um, And we'll go through some of the details as to why that occurs and I guess how can we um, make it less confusing. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to speak a little bit about resting your body when you are unwell, just coming off the back of obviously me being unwell. And I know there is a big surge in um, COVID cases here in Australia at the moment. So just wanted to touch on that is if you cannot exercise, if your body is telling you not to exercise, you do not and should not beat yourself up for not being able to exercise. You should not be trying to see what you can do and see if you can push yourself this is the time where you really pull it back as much as you can, because that's going to help you recover faster. So don't just try and go, oh, I'll see what I can do today and see if I can push myself. When you are acutely unwell, don't push yourself, really rein it back in and don't ever, ever feel guilty for that. That is you honoring your body. That is you being healthy and listening to what your body is telling you. So please, 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 as much self-compassion as you need in those circumstances. And on that note, when you are unwell, it is still important to eat the same amount as what you would potentially when you are exercising, even if you're not exercising. 
Now, what does that mean in terms of like people who might be in a calorie deficit or a calorie surplus? So when you are unwell, being in a calorie deficit should not be the goal. So you need to forget that goal if that ever was a goal of yours. Um, Being in a calorie surplus, if that was your goal, then absolutely. If you don't pay attention to calories, same. So don't worry about that. You don't need to. That was just more so for people who do. Um, But the thing is, when you are unwell, your energy expenditure is going to obviously change. So, for example, you're probably not going to be moving as much. However, your body is also potentially or most likely fighting either a virus or an infection or, um, you know, trying to if you're post-surgery or something like that, you're trying to recover. And that is also energy expensive. So, We can't exactly compute, you know, what that means in terms of changes in how much you should or shouldn't eat. So the best thing that you can do when you're unwell is to continue eating at about the same what you would unless your appetite is severely impacted. Now, if your appetite is severely impacted, so for example, let's say you did get COVID and you didn't really have much of an appetite. It's okay to trust that a little bit as long as you're not skipping meals. So for example, if you've got COVID, you are not moving at all throughout the day. You're literally lying in bed 24 hours a day. Your appetite probably will be down a bit because you are expending a fair bit less energy, particularly if you're someone who was quite active before. So if you're finding that your appetite is down a lot, it is actually okay to eat a little bit less. You know, you might, for example, not snack throughout the day and you might just choose to have meals Um, or you might do the opposite, which is kind of what I did. I just sort of snacked throughout the entire day. Um, And that's okay to do provided that you are not trying to restore weight or regain weight and that that's something that you need to do to stop yourself from losing further weight because As I said, you don't want to be in a calorie deficit and losing weight whilst you're unwell because it's going to make it difficult to either fight the infection virus or heal from your surgery or whatever it is that you is making you unwell. So really important that you continue eating relatively normally with a few exceptions to if your appetite has really taken a hit, then sure, have a little bit less. That's fine. If your appetite's ramping up, then have more. That's absolutely fine as well. Okay, let's dive into our question and topic for today. Why is nutrition so confusing, conflicting, and overwhelming, I guess, because it's confusing and conflicting? There's actually a relatively simple answer to this, which is the reason why is because nutrition is different for everyone. Now, I know you've heard me say that before, but what I mean when I say nutrition is different for everyone is very similar to like, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. There is so many different ways that so many different individuals can be incredibly healthy and it really does come down to how it fits in with your lifestyle, your energy levels, your values, your approach to health and well-being and how strict you want to be, how flexible you want to be, what that actually looks like for you and your lifestyle. So what happens is that health professionals or influencers, God help us, or, you know, anyone has opinions and ways that work for them. 
They have either been taught these ways through, you know, university or online courses or wherever they've learned um, or through their own experience. And so what happens is that these people come up with these strategies that are like, okay, well, this worked for me and this worked for that person. And I was taught this way at university or I was taught this way online or in a book or wherever it is that they've learned it. And so what they then do is go and share that information and say, hey, guys, this works. This is how you should approach nutrition. And yeah, so they start practicing and preaching this method of um, how to be healthy or, you know, how to address certain health conditions or whatever it is that they are specifically working in or referring to around a certain topic. Now, the problem with that is that it is going to potentially work for a handful of people. However, there's also going to be a handful of people or a large percentage of people where that is not going to suit them, their body, their lifestyle, their health, their values. And so what it means is that then we get people sort of, I guess, spreading different messages that seem really opposing, but in fact, both could be true depending on who they're talking to. And I think when we're looking online is what we need to start to think about is particularly when we're looking to social media for nutrition and health information is who is this message for? Like who is their target audience and who are they communicating this message to? Because that's going to help you then understand, is this message for me? And I think the best way to tell is who are they communicating it to is if it doesn't feel right to you, if it doesn't sit in line with your values, if it doesn't sit in line with what your personal definition of health is, then they're probably not communicating that message to you and you should leave that there and not even think about it twice. The thing that I guess compounds this confusion even more is that you can literally find research to back up anything that you want. So you could find research to probably back up that eating paper causes cancer. Now that's probably a bit far-fetched, but What I'm saying is that there is at least one study out there for literally anything that will prove in certain certain populations, certain circumstances, certain ways of manipulating data that you can, I guess, prove in inverted commas that X causes Y or that X is associated with Y is probably the more accurate term to use there. So then what happens is that these people can go, well, I've got scientific research that backs me up and they potentially are quite correct in saying that they've got scientific research there. What is really hard for the everyday person to determine though is how good quality is that research and is that research indicative of the larger body of research? So one of the things that when we think about is there evidence to support somebody's statement or somebody's approach is what does the primary body of research say? So yes, there might be one or two studies that say, for example, dairy is bad for you, but then there is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds that say it is incredibly good for you and for these reasons. So what I'm saying is that it's really easy because we have such a huge volume of data in the nutrition and health space is it's really easy to cherry pick data. And it's also really, really hard to be able to interpret and read research articles critically. 
And I say that as somebody who has obviously been you know, trained at university to do so and have done it for quite some time. I still don't think I'm good at it. Like I will hand on heart say that there is so much learning that I can do in that space to be able to critically assess research articles and to be able to look at the data that is produced in a research paper and to be able to go, are they manipulating that data to make it look a certain way? And if you can't answer that question about a research paper that you know is being shared, so for example, if somebody's saying, oh, well, here's my reference and they are not able to critically tell you the pros and cons of that paper and where it might be flawed and where it might be showing that it is true to what it's saying, then you shouldn't be trusting that as a good reference. I'm so sorry about the cockatoos in the background. Living in Cronulla has its perks, but oh my God, the cockatoos are cheeky and insanely noisy. Okay, I think we have some peace and quiet. Um, So, so far what we've covered is that the reasons why nutrition is confusing and conflicting is firstly because there are so many different ways to skin a cat and there are so many different ways to be healthy and to eat well and people are often just speaking about what works for them or what they've had work with their clients. The second reason is that you can find there is such a um, plethora, that's a big word for me to use on a Monday morning, there's such a plethora of um, research out there that you can literally find research to back up any statement, but the quality of that research is the key and whether it is indicative of what the um, body of evidence suggests. Now, the final reason why nutrition is and can be conflicting and confusing, and this again applies for the entire health space, is that the research does change as we learn more about nutrition. We are, the human body is literally something that we are still learning about. And as our environment changes as well, so too does what we are learning about. You know, we have got exposure to technology that we never had before. So both personally, you know, what influence does the exposure to technology have on our food choices, but also the technology that we have to use within research so that we can do better research is also growing. So what's happening in the research space is that as time goes on, we're getting better at doing research And we're also getting new environmental factors playing in as our world changes, as, you know, our environmental stresses change, like something like COVID, for example, that throws in a whole new way of watching how humans interact in the world. And what does that then mean for, you know, nutrition and health? And what does working from home, like what does that impact does that have on the way that we function as a society? And research then, you know, in the coming years will come out about that and may then change the recommendations that have been solid, scientifically backed recommendations that we've had for many, many years. But then they might change as the body of evidence changes. So I think this is why we can't, we've, we, one, we've got to trust the evidence and the body of evidence, the larger body of evidence, but we can't get too hung up on really specific statements and really like outlandish statements when it comes to health and nutrition. And there's a quote and I'm going to find it and quote it exactly to you. So the quote is, 
extraordinary statements require extraordinary evidence. So if somebody is coming out with an extraordinary statement around nutrition and health, like, you know, X causes Y, or you should not eat that because it causes this or does that in order for them to be able to say that with confidence, they need extraordinary evidence to be able to support that because it's not something that is, uh, I guess, more of a blanket statement. So for example, a blanket statement might be that eating more fruits and vegetables is good for you. That is not an extraordinary statement. Whereas saying wheat bix is toxic, that's very extraordinary. And in order for an extraordinary statement like that, you'd need to have really extraordinary evidence. Whereas something like fruit and vegetables are good for you, we have so much evidence to show that fruit and vegetables are great for you and that eating more is something that we all should do. So hopefully that explains why nutrition is so confusing and conflicting. Now, I guess, what does that mean for you guys as consumers of information around nutrition? So like I mentioned earlier, the first and foremost thing is to essentially take any information that you consume around health and nutrition with a grain of salt. Always be mindful of who is passing that information onto you and do they have the qualifications to um, be able to give you that information. But then not only just the qualifications, but does that information sit practically and um, does it align with your lifestyle and your values and the way that you see the world and the way that you want to engage with the world? Because that is also part of evidence-based practice is engaging with the person who is you know, consuming this information and helping them to come up with a strategy that is supported by the evidence, but also fits for them. And finally, the thing that you can always be on the lookout for when it comes to nutrition, and this is something that my approach has always been with um, nutrition and with Fueled moving forward, this is sort of how we are approaching it as a company, is that there is no one size fits all. So let's educate you on on different ways that you can be healthy and help you and support you to find a health journey that feels right for you, that fits right for you based on your values, your circumstances, your health conditions. So I think education is um, really a key sort of uh, factor here, but being open to the fact that that education and that knowledge may change with time. So not being so hell bent on something that you're not willing to see things change over time. Now, obviously one of the exceptions to this approach to nutrition is that there are obviously circumstances where you are going to have to follow strict guidelines. So my most obvious example I can think of is something like celiac disease. There's not really an option about whether you choose to follow a gluten-free diet or not. It's you either are unwell or you follow the gluten-free diet. So obviously in certain conditions, in certain circumstances, there is going to be a bit more of a black and white, black and white approach to nutrition. But generally speaking, when it comes to nutrition, there is a lot of flexibility in the, the ways that you can engage in a healthy diet without having to be black and white. 95% of nutrition is not black and white. There's 5% where it's like food allergies and those sorts of things where it's like, no, sorry, like that's, it's life or death. 
So I hope that helps to um, help you understand why nutrition can be so conflicting and confusing. Um, And obviously, again, why I have such an open and broad approach when it comes to nutrition. And I am not going to sit there and prescribe one size fits all ever, even if it does work, you know, for a handful of people. It's about learning about you and your lifestyle so that we can best fit in with that. So if you are interested in that kind of approach, then make sure you are signed up for um, Fueled Updates because they are coming very shortly. I feel like I've been saying that for many, many weeks now, but Fueled by marikaday.com and pop in your email address and I will be in contact in the next two weeks for sure. And we also will be sending um, some updates around um, recipes that you're going to be getting that are as a result of fuel being delayed. I'm actually going to be sending out some recipes. So please pop in your email there and you'll get some exclusive fueled recipes that are not going anywhere else. So don't forget to do that. And have an amazing rest of your week. If you loved this episode, always love seeing you on social. So please give me a tag at Marika Day or give Fueled a tag at Fueled by Marika Day. Have a great week and I will speak with you next week. Bye-bye.